0: Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuwana's Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. the Salvador Dali print that I have hanging on our studio wall sort of looks like the top of the buildings in Chicago. I'm back from chi Town. What's up, everybody? Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Colter Nuana is coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Thanks for letting me have a short week last week. I know that's kind of the... The way that we do it as Montanans, work really, really hard uh, during the school year and then soak up the 10 or 12 weeks of summer that we get and then back at it. So uh, I took a couple days off last week. So we're back on the air for the first time since Wednesday. we got a ton to get to today. I spent some time in uh, a pair of iconic Midwestern cities. Never spent hardly any time. I've never been to the state of Wisconsin, period. Spent the majority of my weekend in Milwaukee. Very cool, very fun. Also, spent yesterday in Chicago, uh, certainly the biggest city I've ever spent time in. I I spent some time in Washington, D.C. as well. And I know D.C. is a huge city, but Chicago is uh, big time. I mean, it is massive, massive, and uh, certainly a fun experience. Uh, I don't know if I could live there, but yesterday, a misty, cool, uh, some would say cold, windy uh, Chicago day. Fitting, I I would say, because I think that that's commonplace weather, there, uh, right along Lake Michigan with the Chicago River running through town. But the uh, the tops of the buildings, it looked like, if you're watching on SWX Montana Television or the ESPN MT app, it looked like uh, the, this painting behind me. If you've been following along, uh, I'm in the process of a big remodel. Uh, we got a painter coming in, so my house is totally torn apart. I got several... Uh, long weekends coming up Where I'm going to be out of town The next couple uh, For more solemn reasons Had some fun this weekend Got to do some funeral stuff The next couple weekends So that's not going to be That fun But um, Regardless we forge on But I have a ton of art That I'll be bringing Into this studio And displaying uh, On the uh, the wall Why Dolly? Well Because we were in Chicago yesterday I was lobbying to go to The American Art Institute um, My girlfriend said no because uh, mostly because we just didn't have a ton of time there in Chicago yesterday, and uh, she wanted to take you down by the Riverwalk, and we wanted to walk around uh, the Magnificent Mile, and you know some of the the staples of Chicago. Tourists saw the Chicago Tribune Building, which was awesome. But more than anything, the tickets were one hundred and fifteen dollars a piece. Uh, but regrettably, uh, the museum currently was uh, displaying both Vince, Vincent Van Gogh and Salvador Dali galleries, so certainly. Um, Worth the money if you have the time. We just didn't quite have the time. But that's why I chose the Dolly painting today. The art will be ever-rotating. And uh, we got a big studio revamp coming up as well. So stay tuned for that uh, probably a little later on this summer. ton to get to today. I'll give you a few tidbits from the vacation. More than anything, though, uh, I I spent Saturday uh, afternoon at American Family Park, which is formerly Miller uh, Park there in Milwaukee. And... uh, I have a lot of thoughts. It was First of all, it was a great game. The Oakland A's, the absolute worst team in baseball. <laughs> well, we were talking about them last week. They came to Milwaukee and swept the Brewers. So the Brewers went from first place to on a three-game skid, three losses to the worst team in Major League Baseball. But being at the park, uh, enjoying the game, taking it in live and in person, I certainly, um, in, in some ways, had my love for baseball reinvigorated. Uh, But I just want to have a discussion about all things baseball. Our guy, Andrew Houghton, our producer here at ESPN Radio, he also moonlighted this weekend as the voice of the Missoula Paddleheads. So last week we missed our Diamond Time segment, breaking down all things baseball. So we'll do that at the top of the second hour. We'll also have another one during the normal slot on Thursday as well. We also have the Montana Sports Hour to get things kicked off here during the first hour of the show. Like we do every Monday. And uh, a lot of stuff coming out of the state. Duncan Hamilton ran at the national championships. Uh, We got some Gatorade players of the year coming out of spring sports. Got some in-state football prospects. They got some uh, elevated offers. We have our most memorable and most impressive list, the finishing of it. And today we're going to break down football, both college and prep football. I gave you the most memorable and most impressive moments from each and every sport that's offered in the state of Montana, both at the college and uh, prep level last week. And the one sport we didn't get to was football. So we'll do football today, both prep and college. And uh, we're also going to talk some Montana Football Hall of Fame, and we're also going to talk some NBA Finals. Will the NBA Finals carry on after tonight? I'm not sure. When we left last time, uh, the series was 1-1, to and Miami had stolen Game 2 in Denver. And you're thinking, whoa, this might be a much better series uh, than what the pundits, the predictors, could say. Well, not so fast. Denver has controlled the last two games, and now they're knocking on the door of a gentleman's sweep with Game 5 playing out uh, in the Mile High City tonight. So we'll get to all of that here uh, during today's Monday show here on Nuanas. Now, I hope you're having a great start to your week. If you're listening on the radio, you already know it's 102.9 FM around Western Montana, ESPN Radio. If you're watching on TV, you already know it's SWX Montana Television. Thanks to ABC Fox and SWX for taking us around the state of Montana each and every weekday. And if you got the ESPN MT app in your life, you already know it's a great way to follow this show live and or archived uh, anytime, anywhere. If you don't have the app, go get it. Great place to follow along here. Great place to follow along. Grizz hockey, Grizz lacrosse, and we got some uh, new stuff coming up uh, the next school year as well. So look forward to letting you know about that. You can also always stream the show on our station website, 1029espn.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, 406 888 1029. That's triple eight one zero two nine. All guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. If you know me, if you listen to this show, you know. Uh, that I have a little bit of an obsession. I'm obsessed with golf. I talk about it a lot around here. Part of it's just in our continued effort to promote our great friends out there at Canning river golf course, our, uh, pon- our, uh, partner here at ESPN radio, but also it's just, it's a wonderful pursuit. It's a great way to have a, a, uh, competitive, uh, pursuit in your life. Golf's a lifelong game, which is something I really love about it. Um, I have certainly gotten worse at every single sport that there is to be played (laughs) compared to how I was when I was in my teens and and early 20s, except golf. I've certainly gotten way better at golf. And part of that is just practice repetition. It's what I prioritize now. But part of it is just sort of the evolution of of the game within yourself as you become more mature. Haven't played much golf over the last couple weekends, so certainly excited to get back uh, on the links this week. A couple things coming up. Going to play uh, Canyon River probably later on in the week, but I also have uh, a little date there with the Missoula Country Club on Thursday uh, playing an early morning round with the boys there at SWX Montana Television and our good buddy Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz. So that's coming up. Uh, the Tee It Up series officially underway there. Uh, our guy Sean Rainey, Zach Kaplan putting it on. I think Austin Parr is a part of it as well. Austin, uh, the new SWX guy there in Bozeman, he's done a great job in Helena and uh, now he's going to be there in the Gallatin Valley replacing uh, the spot that our great friend Alex Eshelman left. So I know those guys were over there today. They filmed their first episode uh, with New Montana State men's basketball coach Matt Logie as well as Bobcat tight end Trayton Pickering. So that should be a fun uh, episode. We'll have another episode, including myself, uh, upcoming here um, on Thursday. Uh, We're shooting on Thursday. I don't know when those guys are going to air it, but a little tease uh, for upcoming, uh, a new series, a renewal of of a a favorite series there uh, at SWX. I love the Midwest. I got to tell you, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by Milwaukee. I knew I was going to like it, but I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, we got in late Thursday night to Chicago, then took the train up to Milwaukee. Didn't get to my buddy's house till about 10 o'clock at night, so just turned in Thursday night. But then got up on, on Friday, had a nice day out and about in the city, had some brunch. It was wonderful, this wonderful restaurant called Barrel Lux, and, uh I mean the beer list was so extensive I couldn't even believe it. I sent my brother in, and, and Brooks is a a beer and wine expert uh, in his uh, primary career there with uh, Georgia's distributing and he was like, "Where are you? What is this beer list? Unbelievable." So that was a fun start to the day. We went down to the Deer District, saw the Bucks stadium, I went to the Bucks memorabilia store, I uh, got some fun gear. And uh, then we wrapped up uh, the evening uh, just in my buddy's neighborhood and then went over uh, to Cedarburg, which was a really fun area as well, right outside Milwaukee. I have some other friends that live over there. I have quite a few friends from Wisconsin, it turns out. That's probably why I enjoyed my trip so much. I was hanging out with some of my favorite people. But Cedarburg, uh, Friday night, we watched a little U8 baseball. I was so impressed with how good the kids were. I mean, they were super into it, super well coached. Their fundamentals were phenomenal. Uh, So that was a fun experience. sunset part of the evening. Then we rolled in and watched the NBA Finals with good friends and uh, watched the Nuggets certainly take control. Uh, Saturday, went to the pool in the morning and the Brewers game in the afternoon. More on that here in just a little while. And then uh, on Sunday, traveled Chica- traveled around Chicago. We walked about, mm, I'd say, 12 miles. I definitely got over 20,000 steps on my new Fitbit. <laughs> but uh, it, it Chicago, a beautiful city. The architecture is Unbelievable. Um, all of the, just the very intricacies of all the buildings, the, the gargoyles and the etchings in the side and, and the old stone brick style. Super cool. And I, I really liked it. Um, probably the most unforgettable building to me that I saw was the Chicago Tribune building. Symbolic for a variety of reasons. Uh, first of all, A monolith, just like a paper, a newspaper probably is considered these days, and maybe an a soon-to-be-extinct monolith. I don't know. I don't want to to predict that, but um, it just showed you the magnitude and the position that newspapers once had in a community, and uh, certainly still a viable portion of of life, but nowhere the the dominant powerhouse and uh, you know just financially lucrative entities that they once were, especially in those old, huge cities, but a beautiful building nonetheless. And we saw a whole bunch of cool architecture as we walked uh, all across the Windy City. So um, super cool. On the way there and back, it's about a three plus hour flight. So I basically read an entire book. I started talking to goats with Jim Gray. It's by Jim Gray. It's sort of his memoir, The Great uh, Reporter. And I think that the biggest piece of credit I could give Jim Gray is you sort of, you hear Jim Gray and you're like, oh yeah, that guy that's been on TV a lot as the sideline guy, but I don't really know much about him. How do you put his whole career together? And then you realize he's like the guy that's been everywhere all the time. He's like Forrest Gump. He's been interviewing all of the most prestigious heavyweight boxers, all of the most prestigious NBA players, pretty much every World Series. <laughs> and then you'd throw in the Masters and his, uh, golf and tennis coverage. and So this book is about just sort of the story of his career through the eyes of the most prominent athletes that he has covered. But I I couldn't believe how poignant and beautiful the writing was and uh, just how truly wonderful the, uh, the, the stories were and his perception and positivity about basically everybody that he's covered. Basically the only... People that he had any bad—the well, only person really had any bad words to say about was um, Phil Jackson, which I thought was interesting. But uh, you know, from Kobe Bryant to Tiger Woods to Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali to Floyd Mayweather to Michael Phelps, uh, Jim Gray has seen it all. He's interviewed—I uh, think he said nine former United States presidents. I mean, there's there's a chapter in there about Mikhail Gorbachev. It, it is a Unbelievable book. I went in with sort of uh, lukewarm expectations and came out. I mean, I cried at the end. The, the, his la- the last chapter about he and his dad and their connection through golf and um their experiences at the Masters. It just reminded me so much of me and my dad. And it was it's a it's a wonderful book. If you need something to read that's you know light and easy and makes you happy. I would would check it out. Talking to Goats by Jim Gray. I thought it was truly inspirational. It was a wonderful book. I I thought it was one of the great books that I've read in the last couple years. I can't say where it ranks on my all-time list because I read a lot of books, but it's certainly uh, a really good one. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. While we were watching the finals on Saturday, uh, I had an alarm set on my phone to remind me to tune in to the uh, NCAA National Championship track and field meet in Austin, Texas. When the alarm went off, it was about 15 minutes before Duncan Hamilton's race. All the folks I was with, they were like, "Why, why do you have the alarm going off? What's the reminder for?" And I was like, "Oh, I gotta watch this track uh, race." And they were like, "Really? What? What's going on? Why? Why is there a track race that's compelling to you? You know, at at 8:30 on a uh, Friday night?" And I was like, "Well, long story short, there's this there's this young man from Bozeman, Montana, who runs at Montana State." who is one of the great steeplechase runners and one of the great distance runners uh, in the United States of America and on the planet Earth. So then I proceeded to talk Duncan Hamilton up like I have so often uh, around here. And then the race takes place, and Duncan Hamilton is in the lead, and then he's in a comfortable lead, and then he's barely hanging on to a lead, and then he gets the doors blown off of him the last lap of the race. And Kenneth Rooks of BYU he basically took like the last 600 meters and really made that race his own. And uh, he, he won by a sizable margin. H- Hamilton was about 12 seconds off of his season best time. But nonetheless, the, the career for Duncan Hamilton at Montana State, it's crazy to say this, comes to a close. Hamilton, uh, I believe, ended up as a nine-time All-American during his time at Montana State. He won six Big Sky Conference championships. Uh, He was a finalist, is a finalist for the Bowerman Award, which is given to the the top male track and field athlete in the United States. Only 10 athletes are finalists for that. And he'll certainly go down as one of the all-time great Bobcat athletes of all time. But it was unbelievably gut-wrenching and unbelievably disappointing to watch because Duncan Hamilton certainly emptied the tank down the stretch, and he just didn't have enough in the tank. And, you know, it's just so interesting how expectations influence things. Pretty much any athlete that came out of the state of Montana at the collegiate level that went to the national championships and earned any sort of All-American honors would receive great praise. And and you know, Camilla Noy, for example, uh, from Montana State, she earned All-American honors in the women's 10K. And because she was sort of seated in the middle of the pack, getting those second-team honors, Seemed like a great accomplishment, and it is a great accomplishment. If you're running at nationals, you have absolutely had a phenomenal season for sure. But Hamilton had all the platitudes. He had all uh, you know, the talking points. He was you know, number one time in the field, second fastest college time ever. And so to watch him run a time that was nowhere close to his personal best, nowhere close to his season's best, um, and finish second for the second year in a row, it's just a bummer because, you know, again, it's one of the great careers in the history of track and field athletes from the state of Montana. I think there's no question about that. Duncan Hamilton is an absolute Bobcat Hall of famer. He's probably, I would actually say he's certainly a big Sky Hall of Famer. That level of of national pr- prominence and that many big sky titles, that many all-American nods, uh, I think I think you're one of the great athletes in the conference's history you could probably argue he's the greatest steeplechase runner in Big Sky Conference history. He certainly is in Montana State history. So all of those things are are worth noting and, and awesome. You just had to feel for the kid because the one thing that eluded him was that national championship. And, you know, we always talk about this around here. We don't have any rooting interest, really, in sports, other than we want the best for the athletes that we cover. We want the best stories to emerge. And that's what um, I, I, I hope We can convey here. I hope that's what you expect from us. But make no mistake, the best story that could have emerged from that national championship meet was Duncan Hamilton winning a national championship. So you felt down deep in your soul for that kid. But that's not to take away anything from his career. It's one of the great uh, stories to ever happen in the state of Montana. Speaking of track and field, is now ESPN Radio. This is the uh, Montana Sports Hour. It's presented... By Blackfoot Communications, thanks to to Blackfoot for all the stuff that they are involved in. This summer, Blackfoot will be uh, touring around the state of Montana and hosting community meet and greets in some of the more rural communities in the state of Montana to let you know about their networking, their fiber, their small business connections, all the ways they can help you and your small business. They have an expanding high-capacity fiber network, and they also offer innovative voice solutions Blackfoot's customers, no matter where they're at, they also have access to the latest technologies backed by 24-7 technical support. To learn more about Black, how Blackfoot can provide the right service for you and your business, visit goblackfoot.com. Uh, unbelievable in the uh, w- on the, the world stage for track and field. We're, we're getting to that time of the summer where the meets start to ramp up. Qualifiers, then nationals, qualifiers, then worlds. And so we're going to have some elite times. But it's so amazing to me the way distance runners have sort of passed this tipping point. And now they can push the envelope, truly, of human achievement. Jacob Ingbrigsten, I think is how you say it, Ingbrigsten, who's of Norway, He's a professional runner, certainly an Olympic hopeful. I mean, he's Olympic hopeful is a complete understatement. Here's what this guy did over the weekend. (laughs) This is ridiculous. He had 7 minutes 54.10 seconds in the two mile. That's right, 7.54.10 in the two mile. That shatters Daniel Coleman's 1997 record by more than 40 seconds. Four seconds, excuse me. The splits, you ready for this? Four minutes and .3 seconds, so a four-minute mile, followed up by a three-minute, 53-second mile. Do you have any idea how absurd that is? (laughs) To run one three-minute and 53-second mile is absolutely otherworldly. To do it after you just ran a four-minute mile, crazy. He's the second human ever to break eight minutes in the two-mile Go watch this video if you haven't seen it already. It is something to behold. There's no question. What an unbelievable uh, performance. And uh, I just think it's amazing. I mean, it took forever until Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile. And then once he sort of showed the world that he could do it, then all of a sudden all these other uh, people start trying to do it. And we've had hundreds since then. Well, maybe now we have a new measure that's proven that it can happen. The eight-minute two-mile. Unreal. No one is now ESPN Radio. In prep news, Ella Farrell of Kalispell Glacier, somebody we've talked about a lot on this show. Uh, she's a stud pitcher and hitter there for the Wolfpack. She was the key player in leading Glacier to their uh, second-ever Class AA State Championship. She was, over the weekend, named the Montana Gatorade Player of the Year in softball. So more on that, probably effort her uh, sometime this summer. Also, uh, we had the uh, Montana High School basketball team uh, All-Star games uh, against Wyoming, and Montana continued to dominate. They swept the series um, for the sixth consecutive year, and uh, it it wasn't that close. Uh, On Saturday, the scores were uh, Montana 82, Wyoming 62. That's 13 consecutive for Montana uh, over Wyoming. And then on the boys' side... Montana All Stars absolutely rolled it up. Twenty-two consecutive victories now for Montana over Wyoming in this Midland Roundtable uh, All-Star Classic. But Montana's boys won 101 to 66 in the second game. the The Saturday games were played uh, in uh, Lockwood, Montana, right outside of Billings. There, the uh, the first games were played um, on the Wyoming side of the border. So. More dominance for the uh, all-star basketball teams. We'll probably follow b- back up with that later on this week as well. In Big Sky Conference news over the weekend, Tim Collins named the AD at Eastern Washington. Uh, I'm surprised this hasn't been bigger news. I remember when, uh, when Bill Chaves left from Eastern Washington to go to North Dakota, he had been sort of a, a very visible and prominent athletic director in the Big Sky Conference. He came on this show several times. Part of his prominence was that he was on the FCS playoff committee. That uh, The Big Sky rep since Chaves left has been Kent Haslam at Montana. So we've had one sort of in our backyard, and that has given uh, Kent a little bit more of a platform when it comes to that sort of stuff. He's been on this show talking about it. That's why Chaves was mainly on the show, talking FCS playoff selection committee. Um, but Lynn Hickey was sort of a behind-the-scenes AD there at Eastern Washington the last handful of years. And she retired at the end of the year to not much fanfare. I think that's probably how she wanted it. She was certainly a uh, a less uh, out-in-front type of leader, more of an internal leader. Um, but, I mean, that's an interesting job because Eastern Washington certainly has had at least some of the great football success that the league has seen. And uh, we'll see if they can reattain that now that they have a new athletic director. I think, you know, part of that comes from the previous head coaches they've had as well. Aaron Best had a lot of success earlier there at Eastern. Uh, the Eagles haven't been quite as good the last couple of years. It's sort of hitting the bottom, uh, sort of bottoming out last year, at least you hope so. I mean, because, you know, regardless of who you root for or who you root against, it's better for the big sky when Eastern Washington's good than when they're not, for sure. Don't change that dial. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. That people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players. We know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulteilaw.com. This is Nuwanes Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. My uh, great friend that we were staying with out in Milwaukee this last weekend he uh, had been at a Chris Stapleton concert the week before. We just missed out. We got to see a Brewers game and hang out in the city, and it was it was great. But I would have loved to see Chris Stapleton. So he was on a Chris Stapleton kick while he was playing tour guys, showing us around the city. Appreciate him for for uh, playing host this weekend. But that's why I got Chris uh, Stapleton stuck in my head. It's, I asked him today. I said, hey, pick a song for the show today. What's your favorite Stapleton song? And that's the one he picked. So I uh, appreciate it for... Uh, him putting us up this last weekend, but happy to be back here with you. Got some baseball talk, got some Brewers talk coming up. Uh, our friends at Zootown Sports Cards gave us a sweet box of these 2023 Bowmans. Uh, if you know anything about baseball specifically cards, Bowmans were sort of ahead of their time. They were like the, the, the rookie card, uh, go to in the nineties. And then they still sort of uh, remain, uh, that as well. So um, we'll be opening these and uh, throughout the week and also talking some baseball both today and probably on Thursday as well. But fitting, the first pack I opened today, the first card is Kristen Yelich of the Brewers, who I got to see live uh, on uh, Saturday, and uh, he had a couple hits there against the A's. So I don't know, it's symbolic to be sure. Now, I just told you all about the Iron Grizz and uh, we still need a winner. So call us 406-888-1029. The Iron Grizz located there at the University of Montana Golf Course. It is an awesome restaurant. Truly the best Cajun food in town. If you don't believe me, call us because we got a $50 gift card for you to go try it. 406-888-1029. The Montana Sports Hour rolls on. Montana Football Hour for the rest of this first hour here on Nuana's Now on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. couple pieces of news for Montana athletes in the recruiting world. Quinn Clark, who's an outstanding multi-sport athlete there at Bozeman Gallatin, a great football player, good basketball player, and a standout in track and field. He's got offers from the Grizz and the Cats. But then over the weekend, he went to a camp out in Nebraska, and he picks himself up a Big Ten offer. So that's big time for the Bozeman uh, kid who's going to be a senior there, that Bozeman Gallatin. So um, it's always cool when uh, great athletes from Montana land on, on Big time radars. From here in Missoula, Danny Sermon, who's a strapping tight end there from Zul, goes about 6'6", 240. He picked up an offer from the Grizzlies over the weekend. And uh, th- that's impactful, obviously, just because it's an in-state kid getting recruited in-state. But Danny Sermon's had an offer from the Cats for a little while. So <laughs> when Andrew first tweeted about that, Andrew Houghton, SkylineSportsMT.com, and our producer here at ESPN Radio, he'll chime in here in just a minute. But... Um, I texted him right when Danny Sermon, maybe I just retweeted him. Either way, when Sermon only had it offer from the Cats and not from the Grizz, <laughs> I was thinking, man, this is going to be a huge point of consternation um, if Danny Sermon ends up with the Cats. It's not as if the Cats have never won a recruiting battle. In fact, the Cats have won a ton of recruiting battles as of late. It's just that Danny Sermon's father, David Sermon, was a standout linebacker on the 1995 Grizz championship team. His older brother, Jacob Sermon, who's now at Northern Colorado after making stops at Washington and Central Michigan, uh, he's, he was a former five-star recruit who uh, was in the mix to become a Grizz, and then the, the opportunity there was not really presented by on the Montana side of things. So uh, Jacob Sermon falls through the cracks. Regardless, the Sermons are a huge football family. David Sermon played here at Montana. His brother also played at Montana. Their other brother, Peter, Uh, has been a a coordinator throughout uh, a variety of different levels of football, both the uh, Power Five and the NFL. So Sermon's certainly a football family. Um, There just would have been some people that are loyal listeners to this show that would have been really up in arms (laughs) and really uh, not satisfied if uh, Danny Sermon had gone to Montana State. And that's not to say he might still not. He might still end up there. But at least the Grizz are recruiting him. And uh, I don't know, It's just interesting with these legacy guys. Legacy guys that choose to, to maintain their family legacy at either Montana or Montana State. Always interesting. Recruits that choose to go against their family legacy at Montana or Montana State. Also interesting. It just always gets controversial if you have a legacy guy who doesn't get offered to continue the legacy. That, that That's an interesting fold uh, to be sure. More on recruiting later on this week as well. I want to dive into who's got what, who's getting recruited where. Andrew's doing a great job of tweeting about the variety of guys getting recruited right now by the Grizz and other Big Sky Conference schools, so go ahead and follow him uh, on Twitter. Last week, we did our most impressive and most memorable moments from the uh, each of the seasons of the sporting calendar and all of the sports. So we did college and preps all the way down the line uh, in the state of Montana, so, I want to do now football. That's the last one we have left over. So, we'll do college football first, then we'll do high school football uh, second. Before we get to um, college football, though, Andrew, I got to ask you I heard the Sports Center. Thanks for doing that uh, today. Did you watch uh, the Duncan Hamilton uh, race? You're shaking your head. You I, did, I did not watch it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I got to say, I, I'm Friday actually, night, right, was the Paddleheads game. Uh, oh, you were calling the Paddleheads yeah. game, of course. And Thanks for doing that as well. Um, I must say I'm actually envious of you that you didn't watch it because it it was, you know, again, like we always say, we don't really have a rooting interest. But when a kid from Montana who's running for a Montana stool gets the national championship and he's the the odds on favorite and then he doesn't win it, it was just really disappointing. I was just so disappointed for him. I mean, he's come on the show and been such a big part of this show for the last two years. And I was just really disappointed for him because I know that he he poured his absolute heart and soul into it. And just looking at him, you know, second place is nothing to sneeze at. He got second two years in a row, so he's you know an all time great. But it was just
1: it was sad for him that he didn't quite get that ultimate goal. Yeah, especially just with how great his season up to this point has been, right? And he's dominant. Been, yeah, I mean, he was second last year too, as you mentioned. Well, he was fifth the year before that. Right. So he's had, you know, he's been top five in the country for three straight years, and just uh, wasn't able to get it done. You know, the other thing I'm wondering how much the being down in Texas, right, yeah. affected it? The number, it just one
0: thing, number one thing I thought was if that race was in Eugene, it's a different race. I'm not saying yeah. he's going to win, yeah. but it's a different ra- I mean, I, I was commenting to the folks I was watching the race with. I was like, I've never seen Duncan Hamilton sweat. And he was pouring sweat by the second half of that race. So you could tell it was humid and hot down there in Austin. It's a great point.
1: Yeah, and I guess the other thing to mention here is that Right, he, his career is not over. That's not the that's not the for end. Sure. Right, he's got the national championships coming up. Right, next and that, this month. will be
0: an unattached national championship rather than the NCAA national championship. For
1: sure, but we can still be you know oh, proud sure. of the things that he accomplishes sure. in his career going forward from here, especially because he is, as you mentioned, a kid who's originally from Montana.
0: It's just weird that he's never going to wear a Bobcat jersey again. That that's it's so interesting because he's been such a pivotal figure in Big Sky Track and Field since he first began. is now ESPN Radio. Okay, let's talk uh, most impressive and most memorable. So here's the drill. Sometimes the most impressive moment from a given sport or season is also the most memorable. Sometimes the most impressive has nothing to do with the most memorable. Sometimes the most memorable is not even necessarily a great accomplishment or maybe a heartbreaking one. I mean, truly the most memorable moment now of the track and field season, we did that last week, but the most memorable moment of the season now is Duncan Hamilton laying on his back on the track with his hands above his head trying to process the the, the final kick that Kenneth Rooks of BYU made to win that men's 3K steeplechase? So uh, that, that's sort of the the entry point to the conversation here. But here's some thoughts on college football. Uh, first of all, we're going to go most impressive and most memorable for both the Grizz and the Cats. So we'll start with the Grizz most impressive. My most memorable, or excuse me, my most impressive moment for the Grizz from last season, Grizz football that is. Uh, I thought twofold. One, I thought that they had <laughs> coming out of 2021. There was the statistic where they didn't allow a point for 150 something minutes, and then they had two more streaks of more than a hundred minutes without allowing any points. Now, some of that was against some very overmatched opponents, but it doesn't matter in this day and age in college football. Having multiple games in a row where you don't allow points is unbelievable. So that was one-fold. Two, I thought just the fact that they were continuing to make exceptional, memorable um, special teams plays, whether it was Malik Flowers' kick return for a touchdown in the playoffs to to spark a comeback against SEMO or... You know Levi Janicaro Carroll blocking a punt or blocking a, uh, a punt, yeah, and Tyler Flink returning for a touchdown, or some of the the various big plays they made on special teams against Portland State. Junior Bergen's punt return for a touchdown. The the level of excitement the Grizz are able to generate on special teams uh, is incredibly impressive, and it's so impressive because everybody knows that's how they want to roll, <laughs> and still. Uh, nobody can stop them. Anything else that's impressive to you about the Grizz, or what, what, what did you think? You could go either one, most impressive or most uh, memorable uh, when it comes to Grizz football.
1: Yeah, I think to drill it down to a most impressive moment or a, you know, a most impressive stretch of the season for the Grizz, I think you would have to point to that second half against Southeast Missouri State in the playoffs, right? At home, you get blitzed in the first half. You're down 24-3. to early in the third, and not only do you, do you come back, but it really just distills how impressive they were on special teams all season long right. and how much they hung their hat on special teams and how much it mattered to them. I mean, to jumpstart a 21-point comeback yeah. with a kickoff return for a touchdown and then add on to it with a punt return for a touchdown like four minutes of game time later, that was just, to me, the purest, um, the purest example of the Grizz last year, when they were at their most impressive?
0: Most memorable moment for the Grizzlies for me last year was Bobby Houck and Robbie Houck sitting in the postgame press conference uh, at the Bobcat Athletic Center, dumbfounded. I've never heard Bobby Houck be so honest, candid, and blunt in a post-game press conference when when the response was one of defeat rather than victory. He's been candid and blunt in victory often. And that's because he's won about 80% of his games at Montana. I'm not sure he's ever gotten whipped like he did in Bozeman. And to hear Bobby Houck sit in front of a couple dozen media members and say, you know, Montana State's not very good at throwing it. We know it. They know it. We couldn't stop it. It it was chilling. It it was, um, first of all, I give a lot of credit for Coach Houck, to making the admission for for truly acknowledging that. But then you also just have to sit there and think, how did the Grizz get to that point? They were a a, a defense, especially a rush defense, to rival anybody. We were talking about them in platitudes of the greatest run defense we've ever seen when they're rolling. I mean, Washington couldn't even run the ball against Montana at one point when that sort of core group was at their height. So then, to watch the cats rush for 400 yards and score 55 points, and the Grizz to have zero answers, and then for them to sit up there and admit they had zero answers, uh, it, it was it was mystifying. It was, but it was also completely unforgettable. It was one of the most unforgettable moments of my entire journalism career. And you never want to revel in the defeat of somebody or or the the um, sort of the shortcomings within a, the scope of a specific result. But I thought it was. It was striking, to say the least, the way that Montana State ran over Montana and Bozeman, and and then to hear their coach talk about it afterwards.
1: Certainly memorable, and I've got a a couple more moments that um, are sort of in the same vein as that one, which sort of speaks to the, the season that it was for the Montana Grizzlies. Coulter, I don't think I'll ever forget the way the air went out of Washington Grizzlies Stadium late in that Idaho game. Yep. Uh, particularly as Hayden Hatton was sort of dominating the Montana secondary and then Lucas Johnson throwing two late picks in that game, just sort of the deflating feeling there. And then another one I'll never forget, the playoff game against North Dakota State when the Bison just go bang, bang, bang. They had like four 60-yard touchdown runs in that game. Montana's guys were missing tackles, taking bad angles, getting dominated on the line of scrimmage. That one was just shocking and unforgettable because of how surprising it was. No one is now ESPN Radio,
0: SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. It's the Montana Football Hour presented by Blackfoot Communications. Most impressive moment for the Bobcats last year, I thought, was the fact that they lost so many of their primary ball carriers but also offensive linemen. I mean, Montana State had as many injuries to key players as as any team in the league. Isaiah Fonseca didn't play a regular season game. He's best running back in the conference. Keegan Williams, who's supposed to be his replacement, transferred from San Diego State. He missed all of last year. Lane Sumner was hurt before the calendar even turned to October. And you just go on down the line. Jared White, their prized freshman running back, broke his leg the second game of the year, out for the season. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if they lined up Garrett Coon or Sumner or Marquis Johnson, a, re- uh, a converted wide receiver, they played a dual quarterback system. Both Tommy Molot and Sean Chambers got hurt. The whole offensive line got hurt. I mean, the only guy that started every game was Justice Perkins. Everybody else is in and out of the lineup. And half the, their whole right side of their offensive line suffered season-ending injuries. They had tight ends missing time because of injury. It didn't matter. They set a conference record for rush yards in a season. They rushed for 300-plus yards per game. And they rolled all the way uh, to their first Big Sky Conference title since 2012. So my most impressive moment for the Bobcats was just the cumulative body of work proving that it truly didn't matter who lined up on the field. They were going to run the ball right down your throat.
1: Yeah, and and again, I think I come back to that Eastern Washington game in their conference opener, right? For you, sure. you get blown out at Oregon State the week before. Your other two non-conference games were sort of pushovers. Pushovers. And you didn't look sharp, even though you won by a lot. Right. And, and then... In that Eastern Washington game, Tommy Malat not only gets hurt, but gets hurt in a really bad way—a really way. tough Smash. injury to watch. I mean, smashes his head on the
0: turf. He's out there. They got—I mean, I'm not going to take you through it. It was horrible. It was awful to watch, and he had to be taken off the. I mean, he had to be carried off the field. It was terrible.
1: And I know that Eastern Washington team ended up not being very good last year, but they were playing on the red turf in yeah. Cheney. Oh, at that—that's the thing about a college
0: football season. You always have to remember is. What did the win mean at the time? Yep. Eastern wasn't bad yet; they hadn't right. had the the rug pulled out from under them. They were one of the favorites in the conference. They then subsequently went and lost pretty much every game after that. But uh, it was certainly a, a turning point for both teams within the season.
1: And they have to bring in Sean Chambers, and and they go and they sort of gut out a thirty-eight thirty-five win, where they have to score. They have to come from behind to win it with with less than four minutes to go. So that was the most impressive moment of the year for me for the Bobcats.
0: No, it's down, it's been radio. How about the uh, most memorable moments uh, for the Cats? Um, I-, I would say the way that they took hold, I mean, it- it's so funny because even when the Cats were, they kept winning and they kept winning, but people were still skeptical of them. Well, can they really beat Weber State? Can they really win at Eastern Washington? Can they do this? Can they do that? Then the Grizz are coming to town and Montana State wiped the turf with the Grizz, and then they rolled through their two home playoff games. But my most memorable moment was just how dominant they were at home in November and December, particularly, and then coming to a head with uh, just destroying William & Mary at home under the lights at Bobcat Stadium to go to the Final Four for the third year uh, in a row.
1: Yeah, I like that one. One thing that I will absolutely never forget from this Montana State season, it's not so much a Montana State season, as it is just a a wild moment, is the Weaver State game at home.
0: For sure. It was one of the craziest games we've ever covered. Uh,
1: and then the other one for me would be, this is the play that sticks out in my mind the hardest from that brawl, the wild game in Bozeman, the pop pass early in the fourth quarter. Just what a distillation of the dominance that the Cats had shown in that game. Right As you mentioned, Grizz knew the run was coming. They couldn't stop the run anyway. And then early in the fourth quarter, you're already up by 30 points. You throw a pop pass from Derek Snell to Trayton Pickering for a touchdown because all 11 Grizz guys on fourth and one are crashing the line, and you throw the pass from the fullback to the tight end for the touchdown.
0: And and maybe the most memorable moment of that moment was when Taylor Housewright, the now maligned Montana State offensive coordinator, we'll talk about that later on in the show, uh, but sort of the uh, the boy wonder of play calling in the big sky until his recent legal troubles, He comes into the press conference after the game and he says, by the way, for your guys' stories, I saw that tight end to tight end pass on Thursday night football. We put it in on Friday. We ran it for a touchdown today. Go, Cats, go. Walked out the room. (laughs) We were all just like, wow, Uh, what a level of swagger. Some would say arrogance that the Cats are operating at that exact moment. But I think anybody and everybody on the blue and gold side of that thing would, uh, would relish in that. Swagger and arrogance, uh, to be sure. Montana sports hour, football heavy, here the first hour of this Monday. Don't change a dial. We got our most impressive and most memorable from the prep football world right after this. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world on ESPN Radio. Totally buried the lead. We spent the day in Chicago yesterday. It was uh, the end of, the fourth day of, in fact, the International Blues Festival in downtown Chicago. This was at Millennial Park and sort of just around the downtown area. It was completely free. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) It was so sweet. That song, uh, not by that artist, that there was Rufus Thomas, but a cover of that song Memphis train was on the main stage while we were uh, eating an Italian beef sandwich and uh, having a brewski and uh, taking in the blues. So uh, certainly a fun weekend uh, on my part. Hopefully you had a great weekend as well. It's the Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications has an ever-expanding fiber network. They'll be making the rounds around Montana To help explain what that means and how it can help you, your community, your network of small businesses, or your specific small business. To find out more, visit GoBlackfoot.com. I just remembered that we actually did most memorable and most impressive prep football memories last week. I did that in the scope of fall sports. But a reminder of what we had last week. And if you missed anything in this first hour including our most memorable Grizz and Bobcat moments. You can find those uh, on the Nuanas Now podcast. My most impressive prep football memory uh, m- or moment was Florence Carlton High School going back-to-back. They uh, had their winning streak stemming from last year's state championship, the 2021 state championship, uh, snapped about midway through the year, but then they got back on track, and, and they didn't miss a beat. They lost a handful of college-level skill guys that went to various places across the Frontier Conference, and they put a ton on the shoulders of Patrick Shade, who's Montana State-bound and certainly one of the best small school quarterbacks the state's seen in a long time and one of the best overall quarterbacks the state's seen, period. And they still were able to finish the deal and win their second straight Class B state title. They beat their rival Loyola, uh, in the championship game, in, in uh, decided fashion, uh, so pretty cool uh, for the B- Duchesne boys. Pat Duchesne, senior, the head coach there. Pat Duchesne, junior, uh, the star quarterback. Uh, pretty impressive by the Falcons going back to back there for the Class B state championship. My most memorable high school football moment was Lewistown, and the saga of the Fergus County High School boys is is one that's. Um, Certainly impacted by tragedy, but I think that the triumph that those young men achieved after losing several of their classmates and teammates to a horrific car accident back in 2021, to bounce back from that rally and then go undefeated in football, they made it to the semifinals after that heartbreak in 2021, lost in the semis. They come back in 2022, completely run the table in football, win their first football state championship in a generation. And then they go back and they avenge their state championship game loss in basketball and go undefeated in basketball as well. They were the first team, the first group of boys in the state of Montana to go undefeated in football and basketball on the same calendar year since 2006. The last team to do it before Lewistown was the Dillon Beavers back in 2006. So a uh, some would say... Uh, uh, Not unprecedented, but little precedent. Uh, Very few teams have done that. Very few teams have gone undefeated in football and boys' basketball. I know it's not all the same guys, but in a small Class A town like that, you got a lot of guys that are playing both sports. And it's also a culture thing, right? That success breeds success, and you kind of feed off of each other. And that's what you saw there for the Fergus County Golden Eagles. So for those guys to bounce back after that tragedy and run the table like they did in two different sports – Uh, Unbelievably impressive. That concludes our most impressive and most memorable. Fun uh, little exercise helping us express gratitude and remember all the best moments uh, from across the Montana sporting world uh, over the last calendar year. That is also the end of this week's Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot, wonderful supporter of ours in a variety of different ways. We appreciate them for being a part of everything that they're involved in with us. To find out more about how Blackfoot can help you, visit goblackfoot.com. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. We're going to talk a whole bunch of baseball, a whole bunch of NBA, and have a whole bunch of fun. Don't change that dial. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes.